17 minutes past uh, 8 o'clock on Money Talk with James Ross. And pleased to welcome to the show our guests, as normal on a Friday, Andrew Ferris, CEO of Ecognosis Advisory, is with us. Uh, good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Nice to have you on the show, as normal. And let's say also good morning to Catherine Young, Investment Director at Fidelity International. Good morning, Catherine. Morning. How are you? Okay, thank you. Um, I guess uh, it's a little bit more of the same, Andrew. Um, we've got uh, more trouble at the banks in the US and uh, a bit more uncertainty around uh, what's happening next. How are you seeing things at the moment? Well, it reminds me, you say we're having trouble at the banks. It's like uh, the UK Lancashire expression, tremble at the mills, uh, you know, <laughs> the usual stuff. You know, I like Jimmy Diamond's idea. He says we have to solve the bank problem. Well, I'm, mm. I'm sorry, I don't quite follow that. There are uh, something like 4,000 banks in, uh, in, in, in the United States. Um, there are th two things here as far as I'm concerned. There is the moral hazard issue and that is following what has happened with the Silicon Valley affair and to some extent the Fed is that the government will not see any of the banks going belly up. Mm. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what is the concern here. Yes, issues of liquidity and issues of uh, structure of assets versus liability. Really? In a bank? Oh, wow. I mean, I, I've never thought of that. <laughs> Catherine, your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's complex. And it's interesting when you look at the U.S. situation or Europe versus China, because the Chinese authorities are making it very known and articulating to the banks about how cautious they need to be. And in fact, when we look at the SOE reforms and state-owned enterprises have you know, really rallied recently versus the rest of the market, these SOE reforms are really targeting that the, the companies themselves really look at ROIC or return on invested capital and reward minority shareholders through dividends. So Again, China's looking very different in terms of the banking sector versus global. Mm. Um, what about inflation, Andrew? Um, you know, obviously that continues as, um, as we've heard to be a big worry. Um, do we have any pointers yet as to what the Fed's going to do next time the Bank of England just raised uh, rates? Um, is inflation getting there? I'll start on my uh, favorite comment, and that is if you take the four major economies in the world, the United States and Europe, they're having problems with inflation. China and Japan don't. Okay, so in other words, I don't want to, 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 to hang on too much on inflation being a global problem, because it ain't. Most definitely it's not in Japan, uh, where they are looking, in fact, on a year-to-year -year basis this year for inflation to go straight back to two, actually, more, more or less doubled this year. And uh, in China, where, in fact, inflation most disappeared for this month. Now, I don't want to hang on to that instantly because it is one number, it is a one-month number, but uh, looking briefly, if I recall well, inflation has been coming down on a year-to-year -year basis for nearly four months now. So a trend is being built up. And that created immediately the worry that uh, if inflation is so weak, then that reflects what happens underlying strengths with the economy, given that the Chinese authorities are really looking for the domestic sector to revive the economy. So there you go. So my concerns about inflation is this. As far as the states is concerned, as I said, well, it went down below 5%, but it has a long way to go to the 2%, assuming that the Fed wants to keep it at the 2% level. Do you think they will? You know, given I, I can only take what they say. I cannot possibly guess. I, 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 there's no way I would uh, I would even bother to try to double guess the Fed. Okay, but uh, yeah, I think they haven't made any signs saying, well, perhaps not, perhaps yes. So I'm definitely, I definitely believe they will raise again in June.
Catherine, you've got a big focus uh, on China, particularly. Um, how are you seeing that recovery? Do you, do you think that um, you know this the next few months is going to see some more positive news coming out of China? So the economic recovery is, is underway, but the underlying data is somewhat mixed. So we haven't seen corporates really undertake a capex yet, and that's probably going to occur later on in the cycle. As Andrew highlighted, this inflation issue in China, or, or the lack thereof inflation, we need to closely monitor it. And I guess when we look at this recovery versus past recoveries, Often people use commodities as a leading indicator and the commodity demand and prices remain weak. We've also still got this continued lag from the property sector. But when you look at the consumption story in China, you have the ability and the willingness of consumers to spend. The ability's there, giving them the savings rates very high, over 35%, but it's this willingness. And again, when we look at what else should we be focusing on from a data point perspective, it's really the health of the labor market and youth unemployment remains very high, so you're not seeing that part of the economy or demographic spend. But similarly, when you look at the US, again, the health of the labor market is really, really critical. And uh, again, the Chinese recovery is in a very different sort of spot versus where we're seeing the US. Yeah, I mean, we saw those figures, uh, the unemployment um, figures uh, jumping to, in the US I'm talking about, uh, jumping to a one, a one and a half year high last week. So that doesn't bode well, really, does it? Also, James, so, sorry, I'm interrupting here very, very mm. briefly. The, the flood of Chinese tourists into Hong Kong, they have one key characteristics. They stay for less than 24 hours and they spend very little. So in other words... You see there as well a recovery, but not the kind of recovery that Hong Kong would wish, although this is very anecdotal. Yeah, I would say that that, that is a, a very important part of the pulse of Chinese... But, uh, but let's talk really. about Hong Kong, you know, being stuck in the middle here. You know, obviously everything financial tends to be linked to the US, but, uh, you know, we are um, at the dependence of those tourists and, and that trade and very close relationship uh, with, with China, of course. Um, how are we going to do out of this, Andrew? You know, what, what do you think for Hong Kong? Well, there's nothing we can do. We cannot uh, turn to the Chinese economic policymaking and tell them, tell them what to do. First, of course, we have the peg, and the peg means that our interest rates will continue to increase. So that's, in inverted commas, bad news. Incidentally, I'll carry on repeating this because I think it is very important. Looking at my Bloomberg screen, okay, there is a sea of green. Green in Bloomberg means year-to-year, -year, US dollar terms, up. Okay, the only red ones, <laughs> guess what? This Hong Kong, Thailand, and Malaysia. Thailand mm. and Malaysia have got elections, and Hong Kong has got the Fed. So it it does tells you something, okay? That uh, things uh, things things are not as well as they could be, whatever that means. But uh, Hong Kong doing something with China, nothing, okay? We've got a peg, and uh, the government has been doing all it can in terms of uh, boosting domestic consumption. But uh, these are one-off things. In other words, uh, people are saying, well, how about the Northern Territory uh, metropolis? How about uh, a reboosting uh, uh, investment? And I'm not quite sure that turning to those things right now, which are completely property-related, uh, would make any great deal of sense. Catherine, They've got a problem. <clears throat> yeah, Catherine, you, you touched on property earlier on. Um, obviously, Hong Kong has a has a thing about property, don't we? Um, you know, are, are we seeing any uh, any sparks of recovery there? You know, perhaps linked to you know something in China. Uh, so the main interest is likely to come back in, and you know, again, I think we we might need to be mindful from an investment perspective that even the policymakers in China weren't 
wanting or predicting a V-shaped recovery. So the recovery underway, and, and there is a massive disconnect between the economic data coming through in China versus sentiment and market returns. But we are, we do think that what's going to happen is we'll continue to see this economic recovery underway. It's not going to be stellar or, or, you know, all one direction. It will be a bit mixed and then sentiment will follow. But when you look around the world, you know, and as Andrew has been talking about, we're probably not going to see big enough flows into whether it's Chinese equities or, or regional fixed income, et cetera, until we start seeing some more defined movements from the Fed. And, and by that, I mean them starting to ease monetary policy. So at the moment, it just feels like investors are very much treading water. Uh, Australia's trade minister is going to meet uh, China's commerce ministry uh, later on. Uh, it seems that um, the two countries are, uh, are trying to patch things up, or at least uh, Australia is trying to patch things up um, uh, with China. I guess um, people looking around the world to uh, a Chinese recovery, though, aren't they? Well, what's that going on with Australia, Catherine? What, what do you think about that? Well, don't forget, the Australians' um, exports into China are really, really key for the Australian economy. And also, when you look at Chinese demand for those goods and services and, and resources in particular, it's huge. So um, an improving relationship trade-wise makes a lot of sense. But in terms of China's position from a soft status power, you're seeing more and more in terms of meetings and events occur between Chinese diplomats and the Chinese officials with what we call the Global South. So it's becoming very topical in terms of the Chinese reinstating their Belt Road initiative in terms of funding a lot of projects, and a lot of it is occurring in this global south region. Uh, incidentally, the Chinese about two weeks ago lifted more or less all restrictions on the importation of Australian thermal coal, mm. which is very important. Okay, mm. so that's... Uh, the minister will not have anything to do about that now because that's gone. Just before we wrap it up, Andrew, let's just talk quickly about the debt ceiling in uh, the US. Um, uh, President Biden and Kevin McCarthy have postponed their meeting to dis discuss uh, things further. What are your feelings? Um, are we are we moving in the right direction? Or is there any prospect of coming to a conclusion? Or is Jamie Dimon's worst fears going to come true? James, you know, I've gone fishing. I've seen this since the year 2000. There have been eight events in which the American government almost closed, three of which it actually closed. You know, people have forgotten about this. Mm. So I'm afraid this is going to be the ninth non-event. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Catherine, you have any thoughts on the debt ceiling? Uh, I think, well, I don't have any concrete thoughts, but it's going to be just this continue, um, continuous what if that's going to really hold investors back. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess the next uh, uh, few days and weeks are going to show us that for sure. And let's see what happens with uh, those uh, meetings between President Biden and Kevin McCarthy and the other policymakers. And of course, the G7 coming up next week. So we'll see what that brings and whether indeed uh, President Biden actually uh, is able to attend. Uh, let's say thank you very much to uh, Andrew Ferris, CEO of Ecognosis Advisory, and uh, Catherine Young, who is Investment Director of Fidelity International.